got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got game him. Winning. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. JJ German for the win. He got it. JJ German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. And good Wednesday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher with you. Another edition of Sandos and the sidekick as what a good win for ETSU men's basketball last night on the road against Georgia Southern. And, boy, it was a very entertaining basketball game. I think it was 13 lead changes, 12 ties, just a heavyweight fight. The largest lead either team had was seven. Georgia Southern had a 7 nothing run to start the game. The Bucks led by seven for... Well, I think it was 13 seconds, and then Georgia Southern came down, hit a three, cut it to four. So it it didn't last long for either team. There was a lot of uh, back and forth, and as it uh, most times as it happens when you assume that this is going to be a you know 85-85 game going into overtime, it uh, didn't even get to the 70s for either team. But ETSU with a huge win, and certainly uh, I thought it was uh, important for ETSU to learn, again, how to win another close game where they lost those early ones to Georgia State. They lost that one to Creighton. Now, all of a sudden, Mike Gallagher, you see the win at Winthrop. You're seeing some of these other wins. This latest one on the road. Maybe ETSU's kind of grown up a little bit. Well, we've talked about it time and again, I think, this week especially, but over the last couple of weeks, really, that this was going to be a date that was circled on the calendar. And Steve Forbes even said it after the game last night. He talked about uh, this needing to be a win, and he communicated that with the guys as well. And so the fact that they went out and put forth such an effort, uh, you know, three weeks after the Georgia State game, a team of, I'd say, similar competitiveness, uh, similar prolificness in the mid-major scene in Georgia Southern, and you go and get that W. And what was the problem against Georgia State? Didn't finish. What'd you do last night? You finished. So the team has certainly grown up, and Coach Forbes talked about that last night as well. We'll hear from him in just a few moments. But uh, really an impressive performance, I thought. And still, the thing that stands out to me the most, and I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? But no Bo Hodges. And you're still able to accomplish what you've accomplished with Bo playing so little. Uh, five wins in a row. And when he gets back, I, I kind of fear a little bit. You know, they'll throw a little bit of a wrench into how things are running. That's always something you'll have to figure out over the first couple of games. But in the long run, that's obviously going to be a big advantage. Yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think they really want to get a couple of the wings more time off the floor. I, I don't know that they want. Patrick Good playing 35 minutes. Right. I'm not sure, you know, they even want Trey Boyd playing 35 minutes. I think they want Bo Hodges to be in that mix and to eat up, let's say, uh, he takes eight minutes away from each of those guys, right? And that gets him to about 27, 28 minutes or a little more fresh. I mean, Coach said it last night, you know, they're tired five minutes to go. Well, how you can help that? Well, if those guys get, you know, five, six minutes of, of extra rest and, and then there's somebody on the bench that was getting time that, that may not get a lot of time, right? That's 
how it always works. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, Williamson's a point guard, so he's probably going to see some time. But will that cut into Tucker Menard's action? You know, how will that kind of work in? But certainly having a likes of Bo Hodges, who's explosive, can do things offensively and defensively. The other thing is he's a very good rebounder. You know, he's going to attack the glass. He's going to try to go get rebounds, which are hard to come by right now with the vacuum known as Jerome Rodriguez. I mean, he's just been an animal. Even last, I don't know that I've seen a guy. Uh, I think the most rebounds I caught in the game was 22, but he didn't have 15 and a half. Because they had probably spread out a bit more over the whole game. I mean, Rodriguez had 15 in the second half alone. And it really got to the point where the other nine guys on the floor never went to the glass. I mean, at some point in time, they all just conceded he was going to get the rebound. So um, he's fun to watch. If you like kind of old school back-to-the-basket basketball, you know, and a guy that works hard inside that that not just is, is big and athletic, but he certainly has a knack for where a guy's shooting from, the percentages of where it may bounce to. Like, he beats guys to spots, too. He's not necessarily getting every rebound, standing right underneath the hoop, jumping higher than everybody else and grabbing it. He's actually going to different sides of the basket and stuff. That's what I've been most impressed by. I used to give credit to Zakiwa Dude when he was here because I thought nobody had a better knack for knowing where the ball was going to come off than him. He, he just kind of knew whether it was his tendencies or maybe the trajectory of the shot or whatever, but he kind of knew which side of the basket he needed to be on more times than not, and that helped him get rebounds, and I'm seeing that out of Jerome Rodriguez. And I caught myself, if anyone heard the highlights last night, was listening to the game or just keeping up with it in general, or if you listen back to the Fast Break 40 today, about 13, 14 minutes left in the second half, I had a moment where I was like, wow. James Harrison is the best post for ETSU tonight. I mean, he's outperforming everybody else. Now Rodriguez was still grabbing a few rebounds here and there, but uh, Harrison was the leading scorer amongst the posts with, you know, 15 minutes to go or whatever it was. And I said this on air as well in the second half, and almost like they were listening to the broadcast themselves, just flipped the switch. Milad and Armas, Jerome Rodriguez started becoming more involved and really in the time of the game where they needed them the most, those two who I have to figure come end of the year are going to be the most dynamic post duo in the Southern Conference. They might be right now, but once we get into Southern Conference play, you'll be able to hear it a bit more and see it a bit more. But they definitely turned it on right when the Bucks needed guys like um, Trey Boyd to be picked up a bit, who had a big open of the game, maybe wasn't as involved uh, later in the contest. It Really, everybody did their part last night, and that is the encouraging thing. And I loved the comment from Steve Forbes, and I don't know if we have it in these bites that we're going to uh, play here in just a moment, but guys in the huddle yelling at each other, hey, this is why we practice the way we practice, times like this, and that they were the tougher team, Coach Forbes said. And I absolutely love that because that says more, I think, about the demeanor and the want-to of the team than anything else could. Yeah, and I think that's uh, you know, a testament to a, a buy-in, right? We heard Coach Sanders say that. When guys are repeating what I say and they start to understand and they start to give you this quote and that quote, then they're, they're buying into what you're doing, right? They're believing in what you're trying to sell them on how to win games, and Clearly, early on, uh, Coach Forbes has, has got some of that. And, and I think some of it is because, you know, they lost a few early, and then they figured out how to win a couple, and then it goes. And, you know, Georgia Southern was uh, beside themselves as, as, you know, it's just a five-point game uh, with about, what, 30 seconds to go, and it was a foul. And Georgia Southern, everyone left the building. Yeah. And, I mean, the broadcasters were beside themselves beside me. The coaching staff was beside themselves. The coach even mentioned it after the game, said, you know, it was five. Everybody's leaving like we lost. They missed the free throw. And we came down, and we didn't hit the shot. But, I mean, like, it, it, 
it was far from over at that point when they left. And it was shades, actually. Of, I remember when Coach Bartow uh, got mad at the fans when, when they left against Belmont. And, and Coach Bartow was right. Now, both coaches were incorrect because they didn't win the game. But I get where they're coming from. Like, it's tough when you're a player and 30 seconds to go. Um, you know, you turn around and all your buddies are, are – you know, mass exiting. I mean, not yeah. even giving it a go. Now, as a visiting broadcaster, is that not my favorite thing in the world? Clearly, to see? listening to it last oh, night, I believe I so. It. Yeah, and I need to talk Coach Sanders about it again because I think he didn't really believe me that I was on board with the winning on the road. I love. I mean, I'm not afraid to wave at the visiting fans they leave. That's how professional I am. Didn't sound like you were too big of a fan of the opposing radio oh, commentator man. either. Well, I, I say this: we all get emotional. At, at, you pull for whoever you want to. I don't know that I've ever stood up and. And not just yelled at a referee, but then made motions for it was a, I think it was the backcourt they wanted on Jerome Rodriguez, which was not a backcourt, and it wasn't called a backcourt because it shouldn't have been. But he he's going, he is livid, standing up, pounding the table, making motions, doing whatever, and then it's like uh, George Sub make a run. I mean, it was a, a stand up, slap the table, high five his guy, high five people <laughs> behind him in the stands. I mean, it was it was oh, an incredible man. display. Now, I, yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll give him is is he he's not a Georgia Southern guy. I know who he is, so he's not originally from there. He got the job a few years ago. He's bought in. He's all in. He's wearing the championship, the gaudy championship oh, rings wow. you get on the, wow. uh, you know, down there. So I mean, he he's an all in guy. I'll give him that. But um, and, and I'm not a you know, fist pumping. You know, maybe a secret fist bump under the table to somebody. You know, stuff like that. I'm I'm fine. Even emotionally. Letting people know how upset you are about a non-call, I'm I'm fine with that. But the the standing up and some of that stuff was uh, was That's a bit brutal. much for me. Yeah. A bit much That's for me. Brutal. Here's Coach Forbes after the game on the post play last night from Jerome Rodriguez, Mladen Arms, James Harris. Thought Jerome didn't play well and he had 17 rebounds. I thought offensively our bigs struggled tonight against them switching and their quickness inside. And we knew all these things were coming. I didn't think they handled it very well. We did change defenses some tonight, Jay. For the first time, we played zone. You know, we've been working on it. I think it's something we'll continue with. We pressed back the zone. We played some zone. We played some man. Um, you know, they threw the 1-3-1 at us late. Mladen made a great catch, and Pat made a great shot. And uh, that's how you win games on the road. So also there about defenses and that last little sequence where Patrick Good did hit what ended up being the dagger. I wonder how much of Georgia Southern scoring 64 points had to do with the fact that Coach Forbes mixed in the zone for the first time this year. It seemed like the Eagles were kind of caught off guard only putting up 64 when they were averaging 97. Well, it was funny. I thought his best quote, and I don't know if you, you <clears throat> cut it out, and, and it took me a while to wrap my head around it because he even asked me, do you know what I mean? And, and it took me a minute to figure it they out. Sh- I, I don't think I have it, but it was the they shoot just enough threes to make them want to shoot more. Well, they hit they hit, hit enough, enough threes yeah. they hit enough threes early yep. to give them false hope that they could keep shooting threes. And compared and to the Memphis took them, game, yeah, and it took yeah. them out of what they wanted to do because if you look at it, they were just a twenty eight percent or twenty nine percent three point shooting team going in the game. They shot twenty three percent for the game, six of twenty six. But when they hit a couple early, all of a sudden. Get, you know, guys' eyes get big, and, hey, I can start firing these threes. Well, that's not what got Georgia Southern to the 97 points. I know a lot of people are like, oh, man, they get to 97 today's game. They're like the Warriors are just knocking down threes. No, they were actually driving to the basket, getting layups and fouls and getting three-point plays that way and getting people in foul trouble. And then they got guys on the floor. They can't guard their starters, and it's easy bucket after easy bucket. So right. that that's the style of basketball they play. It's the complete opposite uh, of what they were doing there. But when they hit a couple threes early, 
then all of a sudden they got in a three-point shooting contest in the first half, and it continued some in the second half, and, and that helped uh, ETSU-A stay out of foul trouble, and it took George Southern out of really what they wanted to do. Yeah, and he compared it to the Memphis game when he was on Tennessee's staff with Jason Shea. I think it was 2008, I think is what he said it was, where they upset Memphis and Derrick Rose. Yeah, it was, and all that, those it was that big one versus two matchup. Right, and they, they upset. Where Bruce Pearl had the awkward uh, grab hug of Aaron Andrews that was uh, made everybody uncomfortable. Oh, I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, you got to go look that okay, up. Okay, oh, that's very, very uh, Talking about sharing the ball, Coach Forbes really sees a stark difference between when the Bucks do and when they don't. We're a really good team when we share the ball. When we take quick shots, uh, we're not. We're not as good. Uh, we, we are really good when the ball touches touches everybody's hands because we have very unselfish players and we have very they're pretty, all pretty good passers. And so you're right. We're a lot better team when we do that. And when we get sped up and we take quick shots, you know, fine line with Trey a little bit sometimes. He gets it cooking and, you know, you kind of got to let him go a little bit. But then there's the fine line of, yeah, Trey, we know there's enough air in the ball. <laughs> Quit dribbling and move the ball. So he'll get better, man. He's just, you know, he's new to this. That's honesty, isn't it? Oh, I love it. I mean, you get that, again, there's so much I enjoy about Coach Sanders and Coach Forbes right now is you, you'll get quotes like that. And, it, it and it is because that was that was something he uh, uh, when he got here and uh, I think it was Jalen Riley uh, had just uh, graduated but was still kind of practicing with the guys and they needed some bodies and I remember Coach telling Jalen in practice he's like hey Jalen if you throw this thing to somebody else they're probably gonna throw it back to you at some point so <laughs> you know may want to not dribble as much and, and a lot of times they're ball killers right that's what they call it I mean just just pound 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 and then not be able to. Make Not a getting play. anywhere with it. Yeah, Nothing's just, happening. just it wasting time. Not accomplishing you know? anything. So um, I thought that was an interesting quote. And I will say this, Trey Boyd's the new Mike Tolliver. Um, Mike Tolliver's main goal in life was to not let anybody sleep on the team bus. I have no idea why. <laughs> Trey Boyd has taken that mantle and ran with it. Oh, my goodness. And he sits about uh, two seats behind me. It's my first true bus trip. I know we got on a bus from, like, Omaha, but it was like a five-minute route to – the hotel, which was a 10-minute route back to the airport from the arena. So, I mean, it wasn't – I haven't been on the bus a lot. And, yes, I was uh, – man, he, he's a ball killer and a talker. Well, if, say that. if he keeps playing the way he has, I think that him keeping you up for a couple hours is totally fine with me because he's really seemed like he's come into his own. He's really starting to put up those numbers and being a bit more efficient. Yeah, 7 of 15, 17 points last night. Well, that night. was funny. That was part of his argument with everybody last night. They were killing him on his number of shots. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, no, no. I have more points than shots I took. That, that's key. That's key. That is key. You'd like to see that ratio. Isaiah Tisdale usually has a very good ratio. Now, last night, not so much, but uh, he usually has like a Gosh, what was it on Saturday against North Dakota State? I think it was 10 shots, and he got 18 points. Whenever you're getting close to doubling that, that's exceptional. Um, 17 points, 15 shots. Yeah, I mean, that's a volume score saying that, right? I mean, he's he's a guy that's going to say, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. interrupt I, me if you want. Go ahead. No, no what, what I was going to say was I enjoyed about Tisdale's game was it was one of the games where he didn't particularly shoot the ball well. But he had three of the more interesting ways to score. So he had a, a, a three-point three play wh- wh- where he got fouled mm-hmm. shooting a three and hit three free throws. Then he had a traditional three-point play. Mm-hmm. Then he had a three-pointer. Yeah. I was trying to think if there's another way you could get the three. Um, but, I mean, I think it's about every way you could do it. Uh, but I'll, <laughs> And I don't know why. Like, stuff like that I find interesting. I have no idea why. It has really nothing to do with anything. But there's little quirks about things that I enjoy, and that's one of, like, I enjoy the double switch. I enjoy a fat kicker. I enjoy if you can score uh, three points uh, all three different ways you can get to it. So I think you're seeing Trey Boyd about as efficient as he's going to get. I don't think he's ever going to be a 
double the points versus the shots type guy, but he certainly, as opposed to early in the year with the exhibition in the first couple of games, I think is doing better now with his touches and manufacturing points off of those than he previously uh, was in the beginning of the year. And like Coach Forbes said, it's all a process. Uh, here's one more quote on a big game this Saturday. They're really good. Pretty much the entire team back, even though I think Stump has been out and hurt. And They went into uh, South Carolina without their starting point guard. And I won't lie, I can't think of his name right now. They won without even their starting point guard. And, and Fletcher didn't have, McGee, he didn't have a Fletcher-type game. You know, he, he was, they kept him pretty much under control, but Hoover went for 30. You know, and they got Cam Jackson and Chavez Goodwin, all these new guys. They're going to be good, man. It, it'll be a heck of an environment. It'll be, I'm sure it'll be sold out. You know, last year we took – a ton of fans there. I hope we do again. Love to see you. You know, we went in there and won, and, the, and we were owning the building there in the end. And this is why you play the games, man. It should be fun. It's a great week for us. I told our team that going into this week after North Dakota State game, we're going. This is a great week. Great opportunities. Okay, so we just we just won this opportunity. We got to go win another one. You mentioned sounded like Randy Sanders. Steve Forbes sounded a bit like Randy Sanders. Opportunity number whatever it'll be. Opportunity number nine, I think. We're six and two. So opportunity number nine. Going opportunity number nine. I think the uh, interesting matchup with Wofford will not have to do with any shooter whatsoever. I think it's Cam Jackson and Jerome Rodriguez. Very and good it, matchup. And maybe even Milad Normas will switch up. Sure. On, but, but that was the difference in ETSU beating Wofford uh, like a drum down there. And then Wofford returning the favor coming up to, to Johnson City was Cam Jackson in the game was a, a game changer in the Bucks. It really had no answer for him inside. And so uh, when you can get Cam Jackson going with all these shooters and scores that Wofford has, it, it definitely makes things difficult. But I think if you can kind of control Cam Jackson, not just scoring, but also get him off the glass, then I think that changes the dynamics of what Wofford can be. Uh, and, and that'll be interesting to see Saturday. And, and again, both teams kind of. It's rough because you got to do the weird get out of conference. So you know, strange. Yeah, play yeah. the conference game on December 1st, like and then nobody plays another conference game on the 29th. I don't like it, but I am excited for this contest because I think it's going to be really competitive. And there was the call from Coach Forbes, too. Spartanburg's only, what, a couple hours away? Oh, yeah. Pack those cards, set it down there. It's perfect well, for it. And you can buy tickets online. Last year we told fans that, and they kind of laughed at us because it's never been sold out before. But I guess this is a new building. There's mm -hmm. not as many seats. It's mm -hmm. a different animal. And fans were turned away. Wow. I mean, they were upset. They had to find a, a, a local establishment to watch mm -hmm. in Spartanburg because they got turned away. So I, I would encourage you, sure to, you do to go ahead and get your tickets early. Definitely. So that's a look at last night's game, ETSU Georgia Southern. When we come back, our good friend Landon Owen, Lando's Land. A lot to talk about college football, maybe even sprinkle in a little bit of college basketball in there as we start to transition into seasons. But we'll talk to Landon Owen about a big championship weekend in college football right after this word from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Congrats, you made it! Hooray! Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day, you took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at citizensbank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at citizensbank24.com. 
Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Landon Owen. Let's go, let's go. We got the teamwork to make the dream work. Let's go, let's go, let's. We're going oh, there's not enough time to talk about the Mets in each segment, but we could probably. I try to come up with something every week to make fun of with the Mets. Now, I admit I have kind of slacked here, so I'm just doing a very quick Google <laughs> search. Oh, uh, let's make fun of the fact that the New York Post thinks Bryce Harper is going to the New York Mets. Is there more of a dumpster fire franchise in the world? Why would anyone want to go to the New York Mets? Landon Owen, your thoughts? No thoughts. I can't blame him for not having any thoughts on that. Landon? I wonder if Landon's even there. Yeah, you got me. Hey. Yeah. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was dramatic. Well, that, that, that was that he, was the next most Mets thing you've ever done. I think he waited the perfect amount of time to uh, to jump on me for that. How you doing, <laughs> Okay. Landon? I was responding to you uh, with um, – it's probably good that I was on mute because there might have been some <laughs> <laughs> What if – okay, what if Bryce Harper would go to the New York Mets? Would it be a top five day in your life? Oh, no. Oh, okay. No. Um, no, I was going to kind of close with this, but since we're on topic now, um, I'm far more interested in trading for a 36-year-old washed-up second baseman who spent half the year last year suspended due to the drug policy violation he had, who still owed $120 million of his deal. Um, that the, yeah, the yeah but do you, reached out to the Mets to 
inquire about their interest in Robbie Cano. So yeah, but if that's not the most met thing you've ever heard of, importing old guys that are past their prime that are owed too much money that have drug suspensions, I don't know what it is. Maybe you can get them on the Bobby Bonilla deal where you can just uh, stretch that out over 20, like just restructure deal where you just pay them out 25 years later when that money really means nothing. Yeah, I mean, oh, man, I, I don't know. I'm going to do an angry man segment on just the mess and their decision-making. I think you probably could do that, oh, like, weekly, we especially in the off season, because during the year it would kind of get old because it's just like, oh, well, they lost six of the seven games they played again this week. Oh, what else is new? You know, But in the off season, <laughs> oh, it could be very creative. Man, it's just comical to, to read the things that are out there about, like, everyone that, like in the media, in the baseball media, writes just snickering comments about how micromanaged the Mets are from the ownership box. And whoever the GM is has their hands tied, and, oh, we're not going to spend money um, when they're in the wealthiest market in um, in sports in Correct. the world. So yeah. what are you going to do? If uh, Let me ask you this. Would, would, and Cano obviously thrived early, and again, younger man, in, in New York. Would there be something to getting him back to a place where he was maybe just didn't fit in? Seattle's way different. You know, the surroundings, you know, friends, all that. I mean, is there any thought process that if he did go back to New York, now granted he is older and uh, apparently needed some help to, to, to get on the field at 35, 36 years old. Seattle would probably have to pay a lot of that money, right? I don't know. It you depends on think. how you go. But yeah, I'm just curious if, he, if, if the, he got back. I think some of the notes out there said that the Mets would only be interested if they also got a prospect and Seattle paid for a big part of the deal. Right. So wow. Seattle's just tired of him. But is that a person you even want in your locker room? Whether he likes New York or not. That's a very good point. It is a hard city to play in. But um, there's so much distraction. And if you got a guy that's already distracted who's got one foot out the door, why are you bringing him in your door? So, Dark question. All right, let's talk a little college, but, f- <laughs> if you don't mind. Please. Please. Yes, I'm gonna get, I can tell you were dying down there. The uh, enthusiasm in your voice, you're about to hang up on us, not even get to the real segment. So uh, this is uh, obviously a, an interesting week because you have, uh, and we'll talk about the championship games. It's normally a championship week, right? You're worried about all that. But there are a lot of games out there that aren't that are being made up due to different um, natural disaster type things. Yeah, um, kind of a – I can't remember a time where I've seen so many games rescheduled with different teams. I don't know about you guys, but it just seems like an oddity. And there's a lot of them in there. Um, some of them, you know, you'd want to play. Stanford, Cal. Um, there's probably not a whole lot on the line other than the fact it's the big game. I mean, that's a big rivalry. They couldn't play last week because of the fires. Um, you know, East Carolina was supposed to play Virginia Tech earlier, and the hurricane canceled that. WVU had a big game at NC State canceled due to the hurricane. Sir, uh, Marshall was supposed to play at South Carolina for hurricane. So there are a lot of them. So all these teams kind of, it was almost like a free agent market. Um, they reached out, they made deals. Um, you know, NC State scooped up East Carolina because they were having a down year. Hey, let's get that game. It's close. That might bring some fans over to buy tickets. Akron went to South Carolina. Nebraska rescheduled a game against Bethune-Cookman and got their first win. Um, the two schools very interesting here. Virginia Tech last week, very compelling uh, win over Virginia, maintaining the Commonwealth Cup for now 5,000-some-odd days um, and kind of just stole one from UVA. But it reached a contingency agreement to play Marshall uh, in order to try to secure bowl eligibility and keep the longest-recognized bowl streak going. Now, Florida State, they're not going to a game, so that whether it's recognized or not, that's over. 
so Virginia Tech has a has an opportunity to keep that bowl streak going. So they scheduled this game against Marshall because they're the only team really left available. Uh, they could have played West Virginia, but probably West Virginia wasn't interested in doing that. Marshall ended up getting a future home and home out of the deal, so they're they're coming out of this looking great. And they're eight and three. They got a shot to win the game. Uh, it's only a five point spread. I think tickets are twenty five bucks. It's all general admission, so I bet there's a pretty strong contingent from West Virginia going to drive over across the border uh, to invade Wayne Stadium for a game that honestly fans in Blacksburg probably aren't very excited for. Um, so that's a game of circle. West Virginia's kind of the team left out of all this. They didn't get to reschedule one because they were in the hunt for the Big 12 title and couldn't commit to playing a game. And now they only finished the year at 8-3. and three. The bowl game would make them 9-3, and three, so they kind of lose a shot at a 10-win season. So interesting storylines uh, if you're fans of those organizations, and if you're not, you're probably not getting the last two minutes of your life back. Okay, so the, the, the two things there. One, I found it interesting that Marshall had to schedule because they were also up for – playing for the championship game, and they had to put a contingency in there to get basically to get their $1.4 million uh, insurance. They uh, The MAC apparently has helped schools um, collect insurance on these games in case a big school buys out or does whatever, and it's a lower buyout, they can get the original amount they're supposed to get for the game. But part of that insurance was that Marshall had to make reasonable attempts to play a 12th game, and it would have been reasonable – if Virginia Tech would have canceled this one as well because they didn't need the game, they still would have got the insurance. So what even better for Marshall is Virginia Tech's only going to give them 300000 The insurance yeah, is going to so pay the one one 1.1, right? And they get a home-at-home yep. out of it. That's an unbelievable deal for Marshall. Yeah. I mean, Mike Kamrick, the AD up there, it's hard to say he pulled a fast one, but, man, he that's a deal right there. And they were going to get hundred grand from Virginia Tech whether they play, if they didn't play. If either one of them couldn't play or Virginia Tech couldn't play because they didn't need it because they lost to UVA, the game wasn't going to be played. So it's almost like Virginia Tech was in a self-induced playoff uh, right. that they're putting themselves and they added the urgency of the Virginia game. Now they've got a playoff game to get into the bowl, and then they'll have their bowl game. So neat little way to end the season, and Marshall's still with a chance at 10 wins, uh, which yeah, is so a thing for a CUSA program. Here's my other question. The um... – Recognize what what is unrecognizable about their street? I, I, I've I've always been confused. The longest recognized, it's not recognized. It's a Florida what, what is, State. Yeah, Florida State had a had a had a consecutive bowl streak. They played in bowl games in thirty six straight years. They had a year where they the NCAA came in and said, "Hey, you used ineligible players," so they voided their bowl game in the record book. Uh, that doesn't mean that they didn't play in those games, of course. Um, but the NCAA did not recognize that streak anymore due to the um, year that they were slapped with probation. Okay, now that makes more sense. So they played in those games. Again, the NCAA, I know you guys probably can't talk too much about that, but I can. Um, No, we won't get into that. The, um, yeah, it just, they had that weird quirk. So Virginia Tech had the longest recognized, and that still is. Um, It's the actual one now that Florida State won't make a game. All right, let's go over the uh, champion very quickly here. I'll give you the game. You give me the winners. All right, we'll go a little quick pick here. Friday night in the MAC, it is Buffalo. Your Buff- one of your many Buffalo teams. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Northern Illinois, who you got? The Bills may be terrible, but it's a banner year for other Buffalo sports. We're riding the wave. Let's go Bulls. They're gone, getting their 11th win, maybe 12th in a bowl. All right, what about the Pac-12, Utah against the old UW Washington? Uh, the first of the rematches. Uh, of the ten uh, conference championship games, I think six are rematches. Maybe, yeah, six. 
Uh, UW won the first one at UW. This one is neutral site, I believe, in San Francisco. But we're going with UW again. No, Washington take it both. What about Conference USA? This is not only a rematch, it's in the exact same place at where it was last week. So UAB went to MTSU. Everything fell MTSU's way. So UAB went home. And guess what? They're going to go back to Middle Tennessee. So it's MTSU, UAB. Yeah, congratulations, MTSU. You you win to get in and then you host. Uh, I'm not anticipating a capacity crowd of over uh, 2,500 people. Uh, it's their normal game, it seems. So uh, I think UAB is going to come back with a with a determination and finish off a great year. So with a slight upset pick here, we'll go UAB. All right, what about in the Sun Belt? The Raging Cajuns will be up in Boone to take on Appalachian State. Uh, get a rematch. App won the first one in App. Uh, they're going to win this one again in App. What about Central Florida, Memphis, Central Florida, obviously without their quarterback? Hey, guess what? Rematch. Um, first one was at Memphis, one of the more exciting games. This one was a national broadcast, ABC, um, UCF won dramatic fashion to come back. But uh, I'm going to take Memphis. I think the magic comes to an end. UCF probably still gets in as the highest-ranked uh, group of five team and makes it to the makes it to whatever they call that now, the, the group of the power six games. I don't know. Um, the only other one is probably the Mountain West. It could sneak in whoever wins that game, but I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second. But we'll take Memphis. Well, let, let's uh, let's take uh, uh, with the next one I wanted to go over because if Jerry Jones ever had a moment where he's trying to sell the Red River shootout to move to the Jerry Dome, he's going to get it. The rematch, <laughs> Oklahoma-Texas, he's been begging them to move. They've refused to move from the fairgrounds. But what do you see in this OU-Texas rematch? Okay, who's more excited, Jerry Jones or the Big 12 office? Like, they finally get their OU-Texas game in a championship um, on a stage like this. Who, who's more excited? Jerry, Jerry. or the Big 12 office? Jerry, Jerry loves Jerry. I'm yeah. going Jerry. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, he he does get excited about himself. I'm going to take OU. This one's going to probably be in the 80s um, because that's just how they play games. Um, this is a rematch. Texas won last-second field goal, 48-45. So let's up the ante and let's put the game at least in the 50s. But OU wins – uh, they just kind of get ahead early and stay ahead. All right, four left, Boise and Fresno. Uh, rematch, first one, one was Boise close. Uh, I think it was at Boise. I'm going to take Boise again. All right, what about uh, in the Big Ten? Let's go Ohio State Northwestern. Uh, no one's going to like this. Ohio State's going to romp. Uh, they looked great last week against Michigan. Sorry, well, that's Jay. fraudulent Michigan team. Yeah. I've said it all year. Yeah. Nobody will believe me. Everybody's <laughs> giving me a lot of your team. I've tried to tell everybody all year. Anyways. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's, yeah. uh, OSU, OSU and a romp. More on that in a minute. All right. We got the two uh, uh, southern conferences here, the SEC, the ACC, Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Pitt. Bama, Georgia, not a rematch from this year, but uh, they played in the national title game last year, so no one can forget that. Uh, Georgia out for revenge, but I just think Bama's too much. Uh, probably a, a – you know, maybe a two-score game, uh, Bama wins, and uh, UGA ends up in the Sugar Bowl. All right, then that meant, uh, let's break it down. Then you've, you've, you've said nobody will like it. I'm assuming your four-team playoff, the Landon Owen playoff special, do you have the upset of Ohio State leapfrogging people and getting in there? Uh, you know, back in 2014, the Big 12 had two teams in Ohio, Ohio State, TCU and Baylor. Uh, they were, TCU was three. I think Baylor was five. Um and Ohio State jumped both of them 
you know, it was before the championship game back in the Big 12 when they didn't they didn't have one. Um, I, I see the same thing happening again. I think uh, Oklahoma has a chance to lose, certainly. Um, but if they avenge their only loss, how do you keep them out other than to say they don't have a defense? Uh, but I just see Ohio State dominating, and uh, they're going to set up another game with Alabama, um, and then ACC champ Clemson is going to play Notre Dame. So I don't like it. Miles probably likes it outside of Columbus, but that's just the way it is in college football so, these days. So you've got two ACC teams playing each other in the first round? Essentially, yeah. yeah Notre Dame's just... a faux ACC team. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, uh, ACC loves it. Um, you know, they're going to guarantee themselves, and they'll tout Notre Dame. You know, they're a member, um, just not in football, but they'll tout a, a national championship there somehow uh, if they manage to get it done. So, yep, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, probably I'm going with chalk, Bama, Clemson getting in um, to the championship game, and then we'll pick a winner when we get a little closer. Wow. Yeah, but all right. Well, listen, we we got to go, but before we do that real quick, it is transition season. Next week we'll probably spend a lot more time on college hoops than college football, but certainly uh, there's been some great games early this season. Yeah. Who? I mean, you guys have probably watched more than anybody. What's the What's been the big game outside of ETSU that's caught your eye? Well, I watched uh, – while I was doing the coaching show with Randy Sanders, I did get to see the Gonzaga-Duke game. It was on one of the multiple TVs at Wild Wing Cafe, so I, I was able to watch that. Um, I thought an early matchup for local fans was Rick Barnes in Tennessee, and yep. Kansas was a good one. Uh, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Big Ten ACC Challenge, so I've watched uh, Monday and Tuesday night games, and uh, the, the Duke was obviously a little bit of a laughable one, but we did get on the team bus last night and caught the end of – uh, Michigan State getting beat by Louisville by, by the way, one of the former Southern Conference point guards, Christian Cunningham of Sanford, making a huge deal, although he missed a potential game-winning free, free throw regulation. He made some shots there in overtime to help uh, Louisville to the win. And then tonight I'm looking forward to, uh, what is it, get to Michigan, North Carolina, a couple other Big Ten. So I, I'm a big fan of the challenges. When the SEC Big 12 play, I'm a big fan of that, big fan of the Big Ten and ACC. But there's a, a lot of games that are kind of, floating out there but certainly the most impressive thing i think was was maybe gonzaga beating duke because at one point and even last night duke looked like a team it's just sort of the alabama football this year looks like they're just going to run a rub shot through everybody so give gonzaga a lot of credit on a neutral site floor to pick up that win yeah really but really hachimura uh man that boy's intense uh that was a hell of a game uh there was some good games out in maui um, it's pretty, it's pretty good season, you know. The, I'm with you. I thought Duke was the runaway man. The season's going to be boring. They're just going to run rough shot on everybody, and then here comes Gonzaga. So uh, good for them. Uh, I'm looking forward to next weekend, next Saturday. Got the old uh, as you're talking about challenges. It's now an ACC Big East game, but it's the old game at heart for me, Syracuse Georgetown. So uh, nice to see them rekindle their rivalry and uh, watch the rest of the Big Big Ten uh, ACC challenge this weekend, but. Since you saw my closer at the start of the show uh, with the Mets, I will leave you with the fact that your Buffalo Sabres, as we talk about how great they are, um, <laughs> 10 wins in a row. <laughs> number oh, one, They go from number one pick in the draft to the number one seed overall right now after 25 games. No one else in NHL history has done that. Uh, they're hot. Uh, Jeff Skinner, who we stole from Carolina, I believe, uh, is leading the league in goals, and it's just a good time. Uh, to be a Sabres fan. Right. Uh, looking forward to seeing them play the Preds here next week. So, Wrap it up. Uh, hey, 
fire up your your NHL center ice packages. And let's Trey, get, get on the button. We're about to. I did not to even know button. the NHL was still in operation. We're, we're, Thanks, Landon. We're about to dump button. There we go. There we go. All right, Landon. We'll see you next Wednesday, buddy. Thanks. You're welcome, boys. Thanks. All right, later. The okay. NHL. That's that seven seconds. The only seven seconds we've ever talked NHL is far too much NHL. That's my opinion. Yeah, and you're from Minnesota. And I'm from a state that loves their hockey. The yeah. state of hockey, as they claim. Yeah, there you go. Wow. All right, what do we got? Mystery guest. Mystery guest. You got a Caesar? No? Um, Steve Forbes is involved, and he gets made fun of a ton. I'm sold. Boom. All right, there you go. Mystery guest coming up after this timeout. Santa's sidekick on Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Trump. 
Pluto. Trick Daddy. Tram, the insult comic dog. Who's next? I don't know what's gonna happen. The secrets. Sandos and the sidekick. Did our mystery guest this week hear that bumper before he agreed to come on? Absolutely not, is the answer to that question. It's Jeff Goodman, former ESPN college basketball insider and current stadium college basketball reporter. He also does some color commentary, does a lot of different things now for stadium, which is gaining boy a lot of notoriety lately. And they're much like the athletic, one of the up-and-coming sports enterprises on this new school sports coverage scene, really. Jeff Goodman, about 15 minutes or so, and a lot of Steve Forbes talk, a lot of talk about different issues in college basketball. Really enjoyed the conversation. Here's myself and Jeff Goodman taped, boy, a couple of weeks ago, but still very relevant to the current day in college basketball. Jeff, thanks for the time. Very busy time of year for you, and we appreciate it. No problem. Glad to be on, and uh, anytime I can make fun of Steve Forbes, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Oh. That's always a good time. Uh, early in the college basketball season, I know titles can't be won and lost in November, and we'll talk ETSU in a bit here, but keeping it on the national scene, these games can play a big factor come March in November and December, of course, these first couple of months of the non-conference. What stood out over the initial part of the year in your mind, Jeff? Yeah, certainly that first game where Duke blasted Kentucky. Uh, I was there in Indianapolis, and, and it was a shocker. You know, I, I just didn't expect. Duke to come out of the gates like that and embarrass Kentucky and, and the Wildcats um, really didn't guard and, and R.J. Barrett was dominant. Um, Zion Williamson was more than just a freak athlete in that game. So uh, that's really where it started for me. I mean, just the surprise. Uh, other than that, it's been Buffalo. Um, mid-major that, that beat the hell out of Arizona in the first round last year and Nate Oates just picked up right where he left off and they might be the best mid-major in the country right now, and that includes Nevada. You know, everybody thought Nevada was going to be that team, and they're good, but uh, Buffalo is also the, the, the blueprint has got to be, as a mid-major, you got to be older. And Buffalo, you can make a case that their top four or five players are all seniors, and uh, that helps. And when a kid goes for 43, as C.J. Massenburg did in Morgantown against West Virginia, that helps also. You mentioned Zion Williamson and Duke. I'm sitting on the couch last night prepping for our chat, and I see Duke lands another phenomenal recruit, Boogie Ellis, top 50 guy in the 2019 class. You come from the AAU and recruiting circuit when you were working your way into being one of the top insiders in college ball, Jeff. Do you think there's an issue in the structure of recruiting, the one-and-done rule, the new G League, $125,000 contract alternative? What are your thoughts on what seems to me like an inequity that seems to be leaning towards Duke over the last couple of years, the not-so-flattering stories in recruiting lately, and the the outside-the-box ways some organizations are now trying to work their way around this current one and done you know i think if you change the one and done i don't think it really changes anything mm. at the end of the day i think we're going to be hurt by it because you're not going to see the top players the top 10 players in college basketball you're going to see them go directly to uh to the nba or directly to the g league because i think half of those 10 end up playing in the g league in their first year so mm. i don't think it's this problem solver by any means and you know, I, I think certainly with this new um, this new deal where you can go to the G League and actually make some money and make up to I think it's 125 or 150 grand, mm -hmm. 
I'm torn. I mean, I like it for the kid that does not want to be in college and or doesn't qualify academically to play in college and has to go overseas and maybe isn't ready to go overseas as a 17-, 18-year-old kid. It gives them the opportunity to make some good money uh, and be able to stay in the States. But, um, you know, one coach told me uh, after that rule, after that, that option came about here, you know, why aren't we doing things to try to keep kids in school? Why, why are we doing all these options to, to give kids opportunities or, or other options not to go to school? And I get it. I do. I understand that. But I also feel like some kids just don't want to go to school. And if they don't want to go to school, why are we forcing them to go to school if they can make 125 grand to play in the G League? All the power to them. Is it just my imagination, or is Duke getting an overwhelming amount of people, or is this just the most recent example of one of the top teams getting so many top guys? Well, listen, Coach K has some help. Uh, Nike, USA Basketball, that doesn't hurt, but but he's established himself too. You know, I, I think by coaching the Olympic team, it gave him a jolt, and it gave him a sales pitch that nobody else had, right? I mean, I, I coached LeBron, and I coached uh, Dwayne Wade, and, and – Carmelo and all these dudes in, in their heyday, whoever it is, so you could you could have access. He had he had more access to these kids at a younger age because they were coming up through the USA basketball system. So certainly that has helped him flip the tables on John Calipari, where Calipari completely owned recruiting uh, for the longest stretch. And, and you saw K this year, you know, he gets in arguably the number one, two, and three players in the country, and and R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and Cam Reddish. And again, I think part of it is due to the fact that obviously what he's built in Durham, um, but part of it is is aided by the fact that he's got a good relationship with USA Basketball, and Nike helps both Duke and Kentucky. So that's kind of a wash, but I think USA Basketball has helped put him over the top. How about a surprise and a disappointment you expect to see this year, Jeff? A surprise. Alabama was my team that I kind of picked. I thought they'd be better without Colin Sexton. Now they got crushed in a preseason, one of those close scrimmages by Jacksonville State. So that started to scare me a little bit. I think they'll be good at the end. I think they're getting used to playing team basketball, moving the ball, which wasn't really the case with Colin Sexton a year ago. So I think Alabama is going to surprise some people. I'm trying to think of a team that's that's picked higher than I would have picked them would be like, you know, maybe a, a, a Oregon or although the, the PAC 12 is not very good. So Oregon, even though they're not going to be great, uh, Oregon could still be fine, but you got to watch bowl bowl. He's fun to watch. Um, he's kind of an enigma, but he's seven to um, better than his dad, way better than his dad shooting the basketball from the perimeter mm. game changer, defensively skilled, I'd be shocked if he doesn't go somewhere in the top seven or eight uh, NBA draft picks uh, come June. Let's localize a bit. Your article on stadium on the top shooters in college basketball, you put it out, I think, four or so weeks ago. Caught my eye preparing for this talk. Fletcher McGee of Wofford, number one. Francis Alonzo, number three. Uh, UNCG, of course. Plenty of places you look have the Bucks behind those two teams in SoCon projections. McGee and Alonzo you have in terms of individual shooters ahead of Mike Dom of South Dakota State, Bryce Brown of Auburn, Devin Kennedy, just to name some familiars for college basketball fans. And that really states, Jeff, for comparison's sake, exactly what you think of these shooters considering who they are ranked above. Yeah, I mean, listen, Fletcher McGee, when you talk to anybody around college basketball, they almost everybody will say he's the best shooter in college basketball. 
everybody. Like, you, you don't even get anybody fighting that one. <laughs> uh, after that, it, it was difficult to go 2-30 to 30 because, again, it, it, it's hard. The, the quality of the shots these guys are getting. You know, some guys are shooting in the mid-30s for three, but they're double-teamed. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're taking, you know, taking tough shots, off-balance stuff, where other guys are shooting 45%, but they're getting, you know, maybe easy looks. Like, like Draymond Green in the NBA, right? Like, every three he takes is wide open. So he should shoot a really good percentage uh, as compared to Steph Curry, who has to take shots from way beyond the arc because guys are pressing up on him. They're doubling him. They're running off screens, whatever. Uh, but Fletcher McGee, elite. Listen, the SOCOM has better shooters than anybody else. Hmm. I will say that as a league, uh, no league has better shooters than, than the SOCOM. Uh, and I think Forbes has got a few there. I, I think he's got a couple guys that, um, you know, again, we'll see what Trey Boyd uh, can do going forward, but I, I think he's a guy that, that, that Forbes thinks can be a really, really good shooter down the road. Yeah, good transition by you. Let's talk a little ETSU. Early losses to Georgia State and Creighton. Those wins would have really been nice to have. Tough to have those games kind of in your grasp against two tournament teams from last season. You don't have to sugarcoat it for us, Jeff, but any positives would be greatly appreciated by those in this area. Well, you didn't get a good whistle against Creighton, that's for damn sure. When you go to the line three times... <laughs> Um, but, but again, that's, that, that's always going to be the case when you're going for a bye game, you're generally not going to get a good whistle. You got to win by 10 points. And, and I'm sure Steve knows that, uh, that you can't play it close and down the stretch. They didn't defend like they probably needed to against, you know, a good Creighton team, but a Creighton team that certainly is in a little bit of a rebuilding mode this year. Yeah. I, I think again, you know, Jeremy Rodriguez still coming back from that injury. He's only going to get better, and he had a big game against Creighton. You know, you're going to need more consistency out of some of these guys. Uh, good shot at well, uh, the App State transfer. He's got to be consistent. Boyd's got to be consistent. Bo Hodge has got to be a little bit better. Uh, they've got talent. It's just going to take time. I mean, listen, when you lose as much as he did um, from last year's team and you're still picked to finish towards the top of the SOCON, He's doing something right, and I think you're playing for uh, obviously the league slate and and a few games uh, in March. That's what matters. It, it sucks, but that that's ultimately I don't want to say all that matters, but that's the majority of what matters at, at, at that level in the SoCon is what you do in March. You've got your finger on the pulse of college basketball as much as anyone. I'm curious as to how many coaches you think are ahead of Steve Forbes when it comes to coaching searches around college basketball when a job comes open. And you said you are always up to make fun of Steve Forbes. Feel free to do so now or uh, back him 100% because certainly whenever we see a job open up around this area, we tense up a bit because we know what Coach Forbes is capable of. Well, it depends what he wears to the interview. You know, if he wears (laughs) that orange outfit, um, I I don't think he's got much of a shot of getting out of there. So if I were you guys, I would just make sure, like, that's all he can – I would steal everything else in his closet and make sure he's just got those orange jumpsuits. Right. And I know he's lost some, some LBs. He looks better than he did, but still those don't do him any justice. They don't slim him down. So I, you know, to me, I think you keep him a long time uh, as long as he shows up in, in, in those kind of full orange. I, I think I used to make fun of him. He, he looked like a big orange uh, back in the day, but, but again, listen, I, I think everybody knows what type of respect I have for Steve Forbes and, and what he's done and everything he's been through, you know, being the fall guy uh, for Bruce Pearl and that whole situation at Tennessee, uh, not rolling on, on anybody, 
uh, taking it, going to Northwest Florida State, having to kind of re, um, reestablish himself and uh, not making a lot of money. And I've talked to him plenty down there while he was trying to figure it all out. I love that he's gotten another opportunity and, and really make the most of it. Nobody's surprised. Everybody knew Steve Forbes could recruit. I think most people knew he could coach too. Um, but what he's done in that league, and again, doing it differently than a lot of other teams, you know, getting different types of players that really fit in the SOCON. I, I don't think he's long for the SOCON. I don't. I, I think he'll get another job, but he's not going to just take one and take one. You know, I think by everything that happened to him in the past, I think he understands how important loyalty is and the opportunity that he got at ETSU and saying to himself, like, I know they gave me this chance. I'm not going to go for anything, but there are some situations that you're not going to be able to turn down if they come calling. I think a lot of our listeners know you from ESPN. Jeff did some great work there, still doing great work at Stadium. How do you like the new gig? It seems like you get a lot of freedom there. Uh, autonomy. As you get older, autonomy is super important. Uh, you know, listen, most of my tenure was terrific at ESPN. It really was. I mean, the opportunities that I had working TV for the NBA draft, uh, doing outside the line stuff, being on Sports Center with, with my guy, you know, Scott Van Pelt. Um, you know, doing sideline at Arizona where I went to school at, at uh, Duke at Kansas was, was awesome. But the last year was tough. It was tough. And I wanted to be happy again and wake up happy and go to sleep happy and do the things that I wanted to do and do them in the way that I wanted to do them. And another big aspect for me is covering all of college basketball. Yeah, I wasn't doing that for the last five years. It was Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, those were the main ones, and then something would come along every year, Trey Young last year. Now I can get back to my roots, which were covering college basketball. I came up doing recruiting, and when I was at Fox and even CBS, I covered all of college basketball, and I feel like I can do that again now, uh, and, and uh, it's fun again. It's fun again because a lot of the people I've known, like Forbes, like Nate Oates at Buffalo, I've known these guys a long time, and I felt like over the last few years, like, the only reason I'm talking to them is just to kind of catch up with them because there's nothing I could really do with the information that I got. Mm. ESPN just didn't care. Mm. Glad you're in a spot that you want to be, Jeff. We're enjoying the conversation. Glad you're enjoying your work again. Thanks so much for the time. No, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, uh, try to take care of Forbes down there the best you can. All right. Don't try. Again, try to keep him humble. It's not easy, but try to keep him humble. We'll buy him lots of orange. There you go. There you go. Thanks, man. That's Jeff Goodman, college basketball insider for Stadium. Thanks so much again to him, and I'll be interested to hear Steve Forbes' thoughts after that conversation with Jeff we had here on Santos and the Psychic. Perhaps a rebuttal segment about Jeff is in order for Coach Forbes on our next edition of Mystery Guest, or really whenever Coach Forbes wants to work it in. Busy time of year for him, but Jeff Goodman, main time, I'm sure – Steve Forbes will do so at some point during the basketball season as well to join us live on Sandoz and the sidekick. When we are back, it is Bucks by whatever. Trey Adams is going to join us and bring up some ridiculous topic of conversation that Jay Sandoz may or may not get in the middle of. That's on Sandoz and the sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. 
purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Sandos and the sidekick back final segment on this Wednesday. Give me more Jeff Goodman. Well, give me more can he make fun of Steve Moore? Can I don't we know get what, more of that? I don't know what you appreciated most about the interview. I think that him saying the old orange jumpsuit that he used to wear would keep him from getting jobs uh, and me saying, you know, we'll buy him a bunch of orange, make sure that he is here regardless for years and years and years to come. Great strategy, firstly, and an interesting call-out by Jeff Goodman. There was some great information in the actual interview itself, but I think the funnest part was definitely more making fun of Steve Forbes. And I, I'm not tight enough with Steve to say that. You are. So I'm just going to hop on your coattails on that one and uh, pretend that we're tight also. Trey, can you cut that out for Mike Knows English Language we do later? Uh, I that? will, yes. The funnest? What did I say? Fun? Oh, okay. <laughs> if, we're, if we're nitpicking that much, if that's the worst that I say, I think hey, we're all right. Hey, hey, hey. Someone has no hey, English on this show. Hey, that's true. Oh, no, I, I. the one thing I would have brought up was the fact that he's made the transition from jumpsuits to these gaudy vests <laughs> that he wears, right? He's got these zip-up vests that he wears all the time. That's an interesting look, huh? That's uh, And he wears it with, like, anything. Doesn't matter if it's a jogging suit or, like, jeans and something. Like, it's, it's, on the it's, beach. It's multi Yeah, yeah right. apparently it's multi sure purpose for yep. him so all right what uh what, what does this segment changes every week uh, we see, don't really know this week bucks by bobby brown is it my prerogative? bobby brown wow that bobby brown my prerogative, or the outfielder for the arizona uh, arizona wildcats that hit the longest home run in that stadium against the bucks many years ago uh, the Which musician the musician oh okay yeah good, good. I was so. thinking Trey probably didn't have that depth of Arizona Wildcat knowledge baseball-wise. How do you not, yeah, do you not have that? He's like 6'7", too, by the way. 
Uh, now, is this is this Bobby Brown before he married Whitney and ruined yes, her career? Before, yes, before. Okay, before. pre pre Whitney. Okay, good. Good. I like that Bobby Brown. But uh, it's going to be talking about college football, the playoff getting ready to happen. Oh, here perfect, in a few perfect. Weeks. I, listen, We're stay on the topic, Trey. That is so awesome because I was thinking about which games this week is is going to be spectacular for that. And I think Wofford at Kennesaw State Definitely. is certainly one that has everyone's uh, attention term. Glad I'll be you watching. picked this topic. Yep. Uh, James Madison, right, at Colgate. Colgate's the team that no one wants to believe in. They've given up like, uh, I don't know, three points the entire season or something crazy. So they're going to take on the juggernaut of JMU. Intriguing. Uh, I think even Maine with the uh, – they had apparently 14 inches of snow last week. I believe that. Jay, uh, and so Jacksonville State's going to go up there. They didn't like the 40 degrees in their home place. I can't imagine them liking it up there. Then you get uh, the the next two matchups for me that are interesting is Duquesne at South Dakota State and uh, SEMO, Southeast Missouri State at Weber State. You're not a believer I, in Southeast Missouri State. I am not. I am curious to see. Um, and I've, I haven't watched. I did watch a little bit of the Jacksonville State game just preparing for Jacksonville State just because I knew they lost that game and wanted to see. But – I'll be curious to see what they do. Uh, and then I hate that Northern Iowa still got in, but yeah. they're going to go to UC Davis. Nichols, Nichols State's a surprisingly good team, but they'll be out west on that red turf, Eastern Washington, I don't know. And then Montana they're State, I think, has no shot. The only game I am 100% confident I know the result of is North Dakota State will just thrash Montana State. But other than that, and I think UC Davis will beat Northern Iowa. I think it's tough for Nichols State. I mean, I, I think they got an outside shot. Um, I'm not sure about Duquesne and and Simo Wofford probably JMU those games are the most intriguing to me. Do you all feel like North Dakota State has a pretty easy path to the title again this year? Well, I'll say this: they're on the same side as, as JMU, which is the last team to beat them for what that's worth. Now, I don't. Again, I'll be curious to see if JMU. Uh, what are they this year? Are uh, they the JMU or are they the three loss team that we saw this year? Well, and, you know, they've lost a variety of different ways, too. And for, uh, you know, I think if they put up 40 or 50, it tells us nothing about JMU. That's the problem with that Colgate game. It just it doesn't tell us anything about them because people were so on board with Colgate shouldn't have been there, shouldn't have got a seed. Oh, there's James not Madison's like, in a bit of a lose-lose situation. They are because respect. if they barely win, Colgate still doesn't get really any uh, respect. And right. then if they get throttled, they get no respect. Right. And if Colgate accidentally wins, they still probably somehow. No one's going to get anything somehow, out of that Well, this is JMU, JMU. <laughs> right. So I hate that for, for all of them. Oh, and that goes. But I think the, you know, Jacksonville State's comments, you know, that side of the bracket is easier. If you really look at that side of the bracket, in all honesty, it, you could – you could agree with that. Now that the Bucks are out of the way, and we're not sl- taking slight for that anymore, I think I would agree without a doubt. Yeah, so I, I think North Dakota, that's a good question. I think North Dakota State, um, I, I think they have a tougher because that's out of the bracket, but still, they, they just they haven't lost. They're just beating people like a drum. We'll just, I mean, it's still going to run through there. But JMU being on that side, I think Kennesaw Wofford's on that side. Um, it's a pretty tough side of the bracket, in my opinion. I can tell you that oh, I'm yeah. going to be pulling for the Terriers 115 million percent over Kennesaw State when it comes to that matchup this weekend. And I think, honestly, that they got a shot. And I know that we've kind of, you know, gone back and forth on Kennesaw State a number of times here on the show. But uh, Wofford and people want to say the Southern Conference is down this year. Well, look, we got 
two teams in, right? ETSU gave Jacksonville State a run for their money. It would have been nice to pull it out, obviously. But Wofford, maybe not the top 10 team that, maybe not the feared team that they were uh, last year and have been, been in years past. But I still think that with Kennesaw State being what they are, a team like Wofford matches up well against them. Well, and, and I think what's going to be very in, <clears throat> intriguing is next year, right? Sanford loses Hodges. How do they bounce back? What do they do? Furman typical firm and off to a slow start they come raring at the end if they get off to a good start i think they've got a couple of games um that and so does wofford against division one teams that they got a chance see here's the problem i think btsu next year they're going to have nine is that right nine games see they got three games that won't count out of the 12 app state uh vanderbilt and uh i can't remember who the non-d1 is um shorter maybe so those are the three um, games that really won't count. So that gives you nine games at that point. You got eight conference games, and you got Austin P. You have to beat Austin P. And then you have to win at least six conference games, six and two, to get back in. Where Wofford has an advantage because I think they're going to have um, ten games that are going to count at the D1 level. So is Furman. So be interesting to see because if they get two more wins or somebody gets another win, then the Bucks could be kind of hose in the playoffs, but they're going to have to at least get to seven wins to get there. Great topic, Trey. Playoffs. Well done. And a boy, Trey. Hey, really I was getting time. ready to cancel your segment, you and you came back today. and totally redeemed yourself, baby. <laughs> All right, what do we got tomorrow? Crazy Coach? Crazy Coach. Uh, we might try and get Lindsey Devine from Kentucky, from Lexington. Yeah, I Wanted to get her be before. Good. They left today, though, so it was tough to get her with, you know, George Southern and everything and blah, blah, blah. Might try to get her via phone. Yeah, we'll try to get that set up the NCAA volleyball. Preview Plus, we'll talk basketball. women's basketball, yep. right? Mm-hmm. All that and more. Plus, uh, four downs. One, two, three. I think we can do it for a few more. Four. Four. But I think we can do it for a few more weeks, right? Sanderson, the sidekick, Buccaneers, Sports Network, tomorrow. Back. Another episode. Four downs.